Straight Jack, episode 26. Not the last one. It's mm, likely it, to be the last one. It is the last one. Potentially the last one. Cork's 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 flown off somewhere. Oh, <laughs> do you mean cork? Watch corks it. are popping. James, watch out! It might come back down in a sec. So it's been a while since our last one. Can you explain why this might be the finale, Robbie? Uh, it's because we're all lead busy lives, and because we all can't be bothered to do this anymore. It's not a reason. What was the reason? That wasn't know. the reason I was given anyway. It's because a lot of big things died in 2016, and Ooh. now we're giving 2017 a it's first death. Yeah. Yeah. Big fatality. So just to explain what we do here, we review three films fortnightly. One new release, one post-2000 release, and one pre-2000 release, all connected by a theme. <laughs> this week, the theme is Straight Jack, bar the new release, I guess. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. Which all originated when James got two films Confused? Is that what happened? Yeah, and, and for those of you who have seen both films, you'd understand why I mix the two up. Because they're, I mean, they're interchangeable, really, aren't they? Very similar films. Yeah. Uh, which were, of course, Kangaroo Jack and Straight Time, which we'll be reviewing later. But first, to kick us off the, with the new release, is... Directed by the one-man Dutch film industry, Paul Verhoeven. Are you sure he's Dutch? He's absolutely Dutch. He's the only famous Dutch filmmaker in the world. So Isabel Hubert, Hubert has been raped in her own house all right so literally opens the film so that's sorry sorry back to where we were uh that's the documentary that's that's the beginning of l and very strange sort of event she cleans up the mess she has a bath and she goes back to her life she carries on she her father was a a murderer and uh, as a result she doesn't trust uh, the police so despite her friends and family telling her to report the crime she just carries on as normal and obviously there was a sort of change in her from from the attack but she goes on in a very unusual way um, she just gets on with it doesn't she, she just cracks on goes to work as just, if nothing had ever happened and just gets and just gets on with it so great great example she is the least luckiest person in the world super unlucky she is raped she has a car crash she is hated by absolutely everyone, colleagues and family alike. She is born into a family which is already under mass scrutiny. And, and her that... son's married a charlatan. And, and the, 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 her employees are a little disrespectful Very much towards so. her. Making illicit videos. Yeah. Who's, who's made this filth? And yet, sorry, like you were saying, she manages to keep her composure in a, Good word. In a remarkable way. Somehow stays dignified as well. Mm-hmm. Like she's all, she's just in control. She's she's on it. There's Con- n- nothing is going to sway this woman. Control is is the operative word. It's the word I've got written down here. Rape is is the you know the epitome of rape is not being in control, really, isn't it? I mean that that sadly that that's what that's what rape is, and, and yet she maintains her control, composure. You already used the perfect word throughout this during the incident and and subsequent to that in her day to day life. The the you never quite get an understanding of time, but certainly the days, weeks, months, whatever it is afterwards, everything's just so natural, as if nothing had happened. She, you know, it, it's almost not actually how she copes with the incident because there isn't really any, personally anyway, I don't really see any coping involved. She had she had coped with it as soon as it had happened kind of thing. She's one of those, she's, it's obviously internally. Yeah. Whether There's she, an implosion she, she, she rather than an She certainly doesn't show it, it mm. display it. Uh, she certainly doesn't go and cry have a big cry or have like a unleash and try and let all of her emotions out about what's happened but she just 
t- stiff upper lip. Just carries on. And yet, did you feel like she was in control of her life? Absolutely. By, in, on individual case to case, she quite easily convinced all of the people that knew her and that she came across that she was. But when you're seeing all of these different facets of her life and all of these different... And the, the recurrent theme is all of the men in her life have all let her down have all, in, in some way. And she, even though she is so superior to them in, in the person that she is and how she carries herself... I think it does start to wear her down. There is there is so much going on in in this film. You've already touched upon it. You know, you've got her dad and everything that's come from that. Her mum as well, which is a bit of an interesting. It's not a particularly normal storyline anyway. So her mum, the couple next door as well, and I suppose the relationship she builds with with them. Her son, as you've already said, and and hussy. Yes, that that, that he is um, shacked up, up with. with. Yeah, her best friend as well. And, but and, and she's taking the. I suppose we can. She's having an affair. She's having an affair. Yeah, yeah. That's, and the workplace. There, there is so much happening here. But they are all in relation to her, you know, and and which I think is L in French, isn't it? She, she's fantastic. And I'm, I suppose I mean Isabelle Huppert. You know, the performance-wise, she is absolutely brilliant. But the character itself is is just a fantastic character. You know, she's she's funny. She seems to have an answer for absolutely everything and anyone. <laughs> um, she's confident. She's strong. She kind of says all the right things at the right time. She is again come back to it. She's very much in control of of her life all time at all times, other than what we've already mentioned, you know, the obvious and what what is described in the film or what is described to introduce the film, you know, in terms of the event that happens to her. But as 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 with all the positives, you know, she is she's not a great person. She's not a particularly nice person. She's not a particularly likable character. She's complex. She's morally ambiguous. I still don't know. Looking back to looking back at it, and, and trying to think back to how I experienced the film, I still don't really know if I like her or liked her. No, I don't, she's not. She's not someone you automatically. The bizarre thing is, what she's gone through. You absolutely sympathise with what she's gone through, and yet I never really felt particularly sympathetic towards her. But is that because do we? I, I'm trying to remember now. Do we ever see her affected by it? Because she does so well at remaining. It's, it's hard this to, state of normality. It's hard to know if she's just very business and very cold all the time. Yeah. Because we don't see her, obviously, pre the event. Before, we only yeah. see yeah. her after. There's only like a couple of snapshots of her as this kid. And we get the impression she was a bit of an enigmatic and a bit of an odd child from these, the way the press sort of built her up as being almost complicit. From and she, I think yeah, she was that's quite, how she described it. And she was yeah. quite young in those photos where she sort of uh, left in the house. Um, but I would I would have like to see and maybe I'm not remembering it correctly where you do see the the weaker and more delicate and more affected side of her yeah I don't remember one I yeah. don't particularly feel like there should have been one I quite like okay. that about it that she was she's incredibly strong not necessarily rightfully so because you know anyone but, would forgive her but, for, but for breaking not, down but. but not seeing that made me feel like she was too robotic did you feel it it belittled rape how how very how easily and how completely unaffected she was by by it, and no. and you kind of explore it later on in the film. But. Yeah, I think this is quite the opposite of that because from from I wasn't si- saying I agreed that I was just putting that out as a question. <laughs> no, no, but just, it's, to, it's quite just, just to clarify, just because as, as, as much as I I felt it needed that sort of emotional scene, I never once thought that it it made it seem any less bad. Yeah, if that makes sense. It always seemed really, really like a really big deal. I like how 
the film made her it showed it made her feel like this this round character all of the classic exploitation rape exploitation films in the 70s the super low budget stuff the women in those films are then from that moment on whether they're seeking revenge you know last house on the left or um i spit on your grave they are literally just the woman who has been raped they are just they don't then get the opportunity to interact with others and build their characters they are just a woman scorned who goes on to then enact a violent revenge whereas in this it does the complete opposite and she just kind of goes about and is very placid and the fact that we see enough of this woman and build enough of an idea of this character for you to say do we even like her or not that's Mm. so interesting and is so it's so well thought out that stands even though it it's not trying to be in those real low budget schlocky like this is shot really slickly there's there's a bit of money behind this like it it's not trying to hark back to the the old days where then the woman just in a contemporary setting because there's not a lot of those films around these days there's not a need for them to then come around and just chop up her her victims and this yeah as we're you, you will see goes about it in an entirely different way and that is so that was very very refreshing to see and th- that you can have that debate about a character because it is a character study in general I mean the, the film yeah, itself plot wise there isn't there she's, is a, she's in every scene yeah right? like, there, there is of course there's a lot to it but there isn't necessarily an A to B there isn't really necessarily an arc that you would typically associate with a, with a standard kind of film and, uh, and script so it is more of a of an exploration of this traumatic event happens and what happens in the in the in the following kind of days weeks and months after it happens i think to me the the problem the slight problem with this film and there aren't many is that it it does feel a little bit aimless and directionless at times and i wasn't quite sure what some of the meaning was you know she's she's the the, the director of a and maybe even co-founder of a, of a games company a uh, video game company sorry i should say and i'm not quite sure why that was in there i couldn't help but feel that should have a some kind of meaning or some kind of relevance. Was it making video it, Was it making it feel super contemporary? But aren't maybe aren't video games about control as well? I always yeah. thought that's what it, I, I just and, thought. And in the and in the video game, wasn't she the one who was like make it more violent? Yeah, make it more. Whereas you would probably have expected if it would have been if she was just going into a normal office and talking about the numbers. Okay, the numbers are fine. The fact that she was like looking at this fictional scenario of what like a mage going around chopping yeah. up some stuff mm. she was like oh you know give it more she was it it almost added that she wasn't then running out of that situation in tears and going oh it reminds me of what happened two days yeah. ago yeah it's also an industry that's very male dominated isn't it maybe it was I, yeah maybe like that's that. a good point actually that's, it shows again, the female and, yeah and she was the a manager and because there's yeah. in charge two, it's her friend and mm. they're both women and it that's the resounding theme which is the feminine the power of feminine femininity and the juxtaposition of being raped, which I suppose is is completely stripping yeah. away that idea of femininity and, and having control and power. And it, and even though we've spoken about the men a lot, but the the men are just mainly useless as well. The men in her life are useless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, her son is is useless. Her um, father wasn't probably that yeah, smart. Her her ex husband, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, isn't isn't up to much. And obviously the perpetrator as well. It's quite obvious who it is. I don't think there was ever... I personally didn't feel there was ever supposed to be any intrigue around who it was. I think it was always very obvious who it was. As soon as you saw him, you kind of knew it was him. You know, this film does get a little bit dark because we've already talked about femininity, power, control, strength. 
but there are some dark themes here of you know what is consent uh, and and what is rape and to what extent you know who 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 has the power in, in that it goes that it goes it, a little it, bit it becomes straw a bit more ambiguous and a bit which is something that i really didn't expect it to to i, I didn't really realize it was going to go into that kind of into, into that kind of space but reviews previously had discussed it and maybe that's why it became very apparent when I saw the person who it was going to be, I knew it was going to be them because I'd heard about this idea of consent and right from the first scene that she sees him, there's kind of this longing look that they share with each other, almost as if something's going to happen between those two and it just makes sense that if I was to look at all the male characters in this film, he's the only one realistically that it's going to be. But there isn't, I think this film is described as a cat and mouse and as we've already discussed earlier, off, off air, the trailer and the posters and stuff presents it as if it is going to be this revenge thriller where she is firing a gun, she's learning how to shoot, she's learning how to defend herself. Actually, other than that one scene, there is no indication or no... Um, doesn't put bars on the window, she doesn't... No, no. if anything, she's extremely lackadaisical with her <laughs> protection of her house. Changes her locks. Yes. But if I'd gone through that, I would have been a lot more... It was a, it was a farcical it, attempt. Was it almost then that yeah. reaction of being like... But why should I? I've had my life yeah. invaded, intruded. Like, why should I then submit to what? Yeah. Letting them win. I mean, there's there's a lot going on. I know there was a, certainly an an argument. I didn't read the full argument. That being like, oh, it's just another example of a male male gaze of trying to control or portray female sexuality and the way that things sort of transpire. That the 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 point that there's so many discussions about what's at the heart of this film and what surprised people about like, I think all of us the way it sort of pans out is fantastic the fact that we're all I mean yeah we can't really discuss too much without spoiling it but there is an awful lot to, this is a great one for sitting down afterwards and then sort of deconstructing and yeah. trying like it's 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 a film studies on women in film I think it's certainly one that will be picked up for some time That's yeah what you're saying. And, it is a thought provoking film and for that reason I think it probably, it's been a pretty strong year so far. Um, but I would put this comfortably in the top five and possibly, possibly for this year so far, it might even be, it might be the best of the year so far. I would okay. I, I would give this five stars. I think it, it was dazzling and inventive and fresh and coming from a director who has not made bad, certainly he's made action films with subtext before. Rewatch Robocop. It's it's still it's still pretty good, but it's um, yeah. This is wildly unexpected, and Isabel Hubert is of the ripe age of. She's in her sixties now. She's ab- still absolutely slaying it. Like she's in several great films a year. Um, yeah, it's just it's the, the the great film of the year so far. I think it's five stars. I wanted more from it. I'm gonna sit on a three. It's a very strong three. It, it is very good, and it is it's it is a must see three. Uh, that, oh, that's got a nice ring to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but And before I move on to you, James, I just need to say the score, very understated. I mean, we spoke about the arri- the score in Arrival mm. is amazing. But in, this just completely harnesses every scene. And you don't even realise it's there. It's so subtle. It's the art. That's but the art that, of it, isn't that, it? For this kind of film, they absolutely knock out of the park. I'm not even sure who did it, which is really rude of me. But, geez, it's good. It's so understated. I didn't even realise really that there that there was a score, which is maybe to be commended. I I'm sat between you two really, uh, so so I, I would give it a four. I thought it was 
in so many ways it was brilliant and i i'm quite happy to admit that if i watched it again it could well be a five um it's pretty intense and it, and it's it kind of addresses topics that i haven't really addressed that i haven't really seen a film addressed before in, in the past uh, i would absolutely recommend it to most who i feel would be able to deal with that we are three men sitting in a room discussing a film i would be intrigued to understand what women felt about this film and understand what you know their perception of of l and uh or michelle and um and uh and, and the course of action in this film but yeah i thought it was very very good many good things and um and yeah four four that, stars that is a great segue into our next film <laughs> that those those closing comments those last few words you said which is on to James's incidental selection. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, and I know it was my mix-up in the first place that... You've brought this on yourself, that, James. Yeah, no, I have. You've dug your exactly, grave. Yeah, no, I, I have, I've made my bed. Um, You're lying and, and it. Thanks. This this film, Kangaroo Jack, well, it has become a bit of a laughing stock. Who's from, laughing? From, from what I understand. Um, and we'll go on to discuss some of the... Um, <laughs> some of the the issues with the film so so essentially this story tells of 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 the two best pals um these guys are so close from from america who um you know for some crazy crazy happenings they uh, they end up having to to deliver some some you know mob or, or gangster money to to australia obviously i mean naturally that's so that's where it takes them. Have you never delivered gangster money yourself? Because that's where you usually go. To no, deliver. I do, but I've right, never, okay. bizarrely, I've never come across a kangaroo in doing so. But these guys, you'll never get these guys. Right? They, they <laughs> right. ended up um, actually, I, I mean, these guys were out of luck in the first place when they're back in New, New York. Then they went over to Australia. They're, all they're trying to do is do a nice bit of work, you know, trying to deliver this money to to their uh, their counterparts in Mr. Australia. Smith, yeah. And... This guy's wearing it in his hoodie, and you'll never guess what happens. What happens? Oh. What happens? The kangaroo not only steals the hoodie, but wears it. As, as wait, well. what kangaroo? Wait, wait. The kangaroo, the dead kangaroo. The one they run over in their car yeah. and pose for photos with by dressing it up in sunglasses and hoodie. <laughs> Sorry, can we just? Yeah, yeah. That, no, that is, that is the kangaroo. Can we yeah, just yeah. to realise it's the start of sleepers? It's nearly as bad as the start of sleepers. You know the hot dog thing. <laughs> this is just as bad. Sorry, don't but, tell Mike. But I, I think I, I just I just wanted to quickly, you know, that was that was how the film ended out. But I just wanted to quickly, you know, in an alternate universe, just just talk to you and read you through where the film originated. Okay, I don't know oh, okay. this. this is no, great. so so originally the film screenplay was down uh, was titled Down and Under, and it was described as a mafia comedy in the style of Midnight Run. Okay, Ooh. film was shot in Australia. Da, da, da. However, the producer saw test footage. And they realised that the cut wasn't working. You know, it, it wasn't working. Um, <laughs> but right, they, they 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 were encouraged by strong screenings and the market campaign behind the uh, recently uh, recently at that time anyway released Snow Dogs. Um, right, and you'll see where I'm going with this. So the production and and you can absolutely understand why they did this. They shifted away from you know a mafia comedy kind of movie um, to that of an animal picture. Right, so. You know, you can't just do that with the footage that they've got. So they obviously had to shoot new footage, which included, not limited to, but included replacing the animatronic kangaroo with a CGI one and getting him to rap as well. And the film was then um, edited to be much more family friendly, apparently. Reborn. Yeah. So that that's where this film... So there would have been a kangaroo in a slightly more adult movie. 
It, it, yeah, you could argue. Ana- I mean, it would have so, been... So he wasn't CGI before? He was animatronic before, Ian. Wow. Now you're telling me this, I'm wondering how many actors like... Did Christopher Walken and Michael Shannon know that there was a kangaroo in the film? Like, the cut could have been completely different to the one that they had signed up for. It, yeah, it could have been. <laughs> that would make more sense. Yeah. Michael, But this is Michael Shannon when he was doing films to get to, to <laughs> eat. Bills, <laughs> like, bills don't pay themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys are, uh, are, la- are laughing at this, but this did get the Kids' Choice Awards for Best Fart in a Movie. So <laughs> It also uh, earned, was it $90 million in well, the box Well, it's a budget of $60 million. That's a profit of 30 How much of that spend. was? How much of that? <laughs> I'm talking net spend. Net right? spend. Right. That, how, yeah, that, how much of that was down to the CGI uh, farting the, Sorry, the fart, though, was... Like you Which could, one? Ian? You Which could, one? Oh, probably the, 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 the one best on the award, one. mate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The one. <laughs> they the one nominated. You can see it coming a mile off. Um, oh, do we? Like, I see. It's hard to discuss. Can I just bring up some more stats? Yeah. No, these right. are good. These are good. Sixteen percent on Metacritic. Four point four on IMDb. That's low. And eight percent on Rotten. <laughs> Who liked it? <laughs> yeah. I think the question is: that's Who is the eight percent? Yeah. yeah. Who? Yeah. I want to go through that eight percent. I should have read out actually the eight percent of those. You know what, Landon? I mean, we're, we've already got... filibuster here. Let me just, <laughs> I'm going to find these eight <laughs> percent. We've we've already got a few red flags, as James has said. Also, bargain Sorry, bin. That's not how I would have interpreted my explanation of it. Bargain bin. Jason Bateman throws up another. Opening credits lists three editors, which is a huge red flag to people in the biz. Uh, any film that's had... I mean, you already told 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 us about uh, the strife it had in the editing process. Recuts upon recuts. But three editors is usually the sign of an awful, confused film. But also the finished product. <laughs> Some of the worst green screening I've ever seen. So much so they didn't even bother to get rid of the green screen for the shots <laughs> and cover it up with whatever backdrop they were supposedly meant to do. But there were no, but the, the the whole, all the dialogue. It was just so. It was it was it was like it was all sc- scrapped together at the very last minute. It's very Nickelodeon in its approach. Very much so, yeah. And it's it's like it, it's it's and that's not a problem. But I don't remember being that's. I mean, we were that stupid, I suppose, at some point. But being like a little kid and finding it so finding this the charm of a kangaroo with sunglasses being enough. Um, and they've, you know, they've chucked in the attractive woman who's also American, which doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> well, they just laugh it off. Oh, have you met this? Oh, she's American working in Australia. So we've got oh, got the token old outback guy who loves drinking. We've got the the animal lover, honey, who mysti- obviously is removing clothes in a waterfall. <laughs> bad Jason Bateman, bad cliched chubby black New York friend who's just the, that stock sort of uh, character which is slightly racist um, and then Christopher Walken who plays the parody of an old gangster boss as well as anyone with his gaunt face and it's just Michael Shannon who you want to hang around stick around for has anyone um, seen the sequel uh, Kangaroo Jack Gaday USA no it's a cartoon though I've uh, already oh it's not is it I believe so yeah yeah uh, animated sequel got excited then there are so many contenders in this film for the worst scene ever. And not just worst scene within the film. Like, worst scene in in the entire film history. Uh, you've got the waterfall scene where the dialogue is just so, 
Did, so they were, none was written, right? And they just went, okay, we're in this. Let's just, let's just do it. It's as if someone's gone to a five-year-old child and said, uh, write the most cliche love scene ever. And they've, they've just written down, oh, it's just terrible. The uh, beatboxing uh, in the car when they're on the <laughs> way because they're so happy to deliver this money to their gangster. So Bargain Bin Bateman starts throwing down some beats. Uh, <laughs> which they start rapping over it. Just terrible. Camel farts. And the final, even the final standoff is just just dreadful. Do you mind if I take over now? Because I've got a few to add to that. If you don't yeah, mind, go on. there's there's a there's a kind of a um, a mile high innuendo scene where they they find themselves in the toilet together. Of course, and they're they're saying all of these random uh, double entendre innuendos, none of which make any sense <laughs> whatsoever. They, I just don't understand. Is it all about one of the other handling the other person's feces? Oh, there's, 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 it doesn't stop there. I mean, it goes for a variety of different um, innuendos. As I say, none of which actually make any... Um, any. They're not double entendres. So right. it's this bizarre world where they're just unfunny unfunny jokes. When they arrive in Australia, they, they, they I, I can only assume they've cut and pasted an, an advert for Australia because they have this weird bit where there's kangaroos... Sk- well, maybe I shouldn't bring up the kangaroos, but... There's kangaroo skipping, there's airs rock, there's just all of these random Australia cliches. You know, unless, um, you know, everything but kind of Crocodile Dundee literally adding a shrimp to a barbie, that was the only thing really that could have (laughs) made this a slightly more Australian kind of introduction to the the film. All of it is on a set, isn't it? You can tell as well. Apart from the bits outdoors. Well, there's... Everything's on a back lot. There's a really bad car chase scene. And then... There's a camel chase scene, oh. which just brings it to a whole new level. That's what we're working with. Yeah, it's 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 dreadful. I mean, it's it's by far. We, I talk about saying we may well have best film that we've ever reviewed. This will be up there. This is this is quite comfortably the worst film that that we've worse than reviewed. Passengers? Worse than X Men. Much Are worse you than telling both. Me you, you... And Idiocracy. Worse than ever. This is the worst film that we've come across. This is worse than I've come across. I think this not is... just on the pod. Well, it's not Les Miserables, bad, but this but we, is. But we have Yeah, okay, but this is the okay. worst film we've reviewed comfortably. There, there's that. Um, you know, Baldrick in, um, I think he delivers a poem or whatever it is in Blackadder goes forth and Blackadder says, you know, well, it started badly. It tails off towards the middle and the less said about the end, the better. And that, that just completely <laughs> encapsulates this film. It is, everything about this film is dreadful. And if I, you know, I like using other, you know, if you can't, if you can't say anything new and you can't say anything good, then then use someone else's review. So Gary Slaymaker um, in British newspaper, Still the, West, the Western Mail. Are we getting a? Uh, I haven't heard of that one. A football analogy know. here. Um, and and he says, and I think he sums it up quite nicely. And I think personally, I think he's being kind. <laughs> Kangaroo Jack is the most witless, pointless, charmless drivel unleashed on an unsuspecting public. And I agree with you, Gary. And for that reason, it's. I, I feel we should introduce zero stars, but if we're not, then it's one star. Um, I found it so bad that I genuinely had to take breaks. Did you pause when you did it? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was like, I just left it running for two hours. Yeah. Um, I had to just kind of stop the film and just kind of come back to reality and realise that not everything is, is, is as bad as this. You know when you get angry because you think to yourself that this, this kind of film is being made? You know, and you think there are so many talented people out there. 60 million pounds, dollars, sorry, was spent on, on this film. It's one star. It's, 
I think you're being, no, all really being not. a little too harsh. No, like, don't you dare. Like <laughs> no, it, no. I like where this is no, going. This is it is at a, it is at a try. No, and it's no, at a no, nonsense. No. You can't. <laughs> but no, but no. it's for no. an audience. It's for... I think you it was for then. That it's been. for an audience. It's for... Children sure. and it, well, you know, they'll see the advert, they'll see the wrapping kangaroo with sunglasses, and they'll go, you know what, mum and dad, come along. But then again, if we were one of the parents who were brought along, we would kill ourselves. Yeah, it's bad. It's one star. It's, it's I think I've the the point I'm trying to make is I think I've seen more premeditated and conniving one star films that are, you know some of some of the this year's Oscar. Oscar films I felt have more malice in them in their intentions than this but it's still one star you're referring to Lion there any more than two. Oh, Lion so it's on to me with my pick my, my forced hand onto Straight Time Straight Time tells the story of Max played by Dustin Hoffman and his reintegration into society after spending six years in prison Ian I don't think you've gone first yet yeah, I think you're probably the wrong person to go to first. You're going to wax, wax lyrical about this, aren't I don't want to... I mean... When you type in the best films from the 70s on Google and they all come up and you go, oh, I know that one, I know that one, I've seen that, seen that, seen that. Chinatown, all, all and, the President's and, Men. And, you know, they're all, they're all popping up, all the stonkers, all the absolute classics. And what's this? A Dustin Hoffman film from the 70s that's crime and critically acclaimed. And has Gary Busey in it. And I'm it's in. on Sky, been on Sky Go since the dawn of time. Pre-accident. Yeah. Second, yeah, that's a very important distinction between the Buseys. And almost, I'm a sucker going in, like the grain, just just that, that the grain, the way these films are shot and the way they were not in it. This was, it will never happen again. This was a time in American cinema where directors were given the opportunity just to go and make the films that they really wanted to make and they had no restraints and Dustin Hoffman comfortably competes with De Niro for being the best actor of the time and one of the best of all time but I think this is just an Oslo August-esque stunning portrayal of someone coming from a dark time or an affecting time and then trying to reintegrate trying to see if they can become part of the real world and I don't think it's a spoiler but uh, Hoffman's character learns pretty quickly that he tries to play by the rules he really does give it a good go but he it it's not him and society and this new America like isn't prepared to the way his parole officer who uh, doesn't want to give him give him a chance and yeah him and Harry Dean Stanton's character the way they, they sit around, they've got their freedom. Harry Dean Stanton's got his wife. Oh. Hoffman's got his girlfriend. They sit around, they eat these, by the way, bland burgers. Beef burger with bap. No sauce or salad or cheese. Really weird. But It's all one shot, isn't it? They think You think they've, they've made it and you think this is all they need. But then you, they're like, they're drug addicts. They're essentially drug addicts, even though out of we don't see either of those two taking any drugs they're just they need that excitement they need that risk they need that feeling of trying to get more than what you deserve um it's it's just wonderful and it's we'll get onto the ending in a bit but did you guys fall for this in the same way that i did i think i i don't i think i did 
I think you know you, you've actually just mentioned that scene, and that was one of the scenes I was going to mention. You know that that epitomise what this film's all about. You know, there's there there are quite a few scenes where they just let it play out. You know, it feels natural. There's no edits. There's no cuts. It just it just lets the actors you know do what they're paid to do. And, and Dustin Hoffman is is one of the best at, at that. That burger scene is is a classic where they're just sitting there, and it you just it just feels profound. And I don't know why. I think it's probably because of everything you just said there. You know, when I think there's there's one poignant moment where I think Dustin Hoffman is, is speaking to the woman he's he's kind of trying to, to woo and, and court and he says he talks about being in prison and he says you know on the outside it's what you've got in your pocket that matters on the inside it's about what you are hmm. and it's this idea you know on the outside it's about your style and on the inside it's about your substance and there was something that you know I suppose I'd always understood it as that but actually the way he articulated that was just was just beautiful and I think he's a likable guy you know he's he's a He's a bit cheeky, he's a bit mischievous, but he's but he's a likable guy, but not to the point where you think he's innocent. You always can see that darkness and that inevitability really that he's that he craves something a bit more risky. Uh, and he craves that adventure really that it, that comes with that. It does do that thing where you don't you don't see him do anything super bad. Like no. it's not like he goes around and he's like you know, you see these other characters. I mean, they were more sinister in character kangaroo jack as far as i'm concerned walking <laughs> well the kangaroo he, he's a he's a, jesus he's a they're bad thief bad pieces of <laughs> nasty pieces of work whereas hoffman you can see it's just and again like l we don't see him before was he yeah. someone who just got caught up with the wrong friends and made an error or was he a good person who or was he was he always did he do something really bad to go to prison it's that that debate again is a very interesting one and he, he tries to go straight, but he but he just can't. You know, he's he's. He, he, but why can't he? he I mean, he, 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 it does paint a picture of his of his history, doesn't it? You know, he's got juvenile offences. He's always been caught up in, in in trouble, and it's clear he he is just kind of a troublemaker. And that's what I said already. You know, it's kind of inevitable whether it's greed, whether it's desperation, whether it's habit. I'm not sure what it is, but he just he's always going to be in trouble. That's just who he is. That's just a genetic makeup, whatever you want no to call it. No matter what time or place, we this yeah. is the way it's. He, Mac, Max is Max. That's and and you can try and change him. You can try and rehabilitate him. You can try and reintegrate him into society. But Max is Max, and unfortunately, th- th- this is the this is fate. This is the path that he will always. This is the path he was always go down sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, see, I didn't. I I stopped caring about the film quite early on. The film or Max? Or both. both. Okay. The film, and mainly because I didn't care about Max. And I thought that his sort of realisation about him never going, you know, never never going to be able to readjust in society was because no one would be able to see past his criminal past. Because okay. I think that's the moment he sort of switches is when, when he's being sort of interrogated about it despite being on parole. And the fact he keeps sort of getting framed, doesn't he? And everyone yeah. still seems to be out for him. Leave him alone. Um, I hadn't even really considered the fact that he was unable to shake it himself. But all I could see was this this dude just self-imploding, just tie, time and time again. It was like, it didn't seem like everything that was going on and everything everything that causes his sort of um, mini meltdown, I guess. It's sort of just, just kind of just suck it up, dude, for a little bit longer. He self-inflicts, doesn't he? Quite very, a lot. very much he, so. Yeah, and he, I think that's what made it hard for me to watch. But I think that's why they, and again, my interpretation of it is that's why they threw the the female character in there, the love interest in there, to try and humanise him a bit. Because I think on it on his own, he's it's not that it's difficult to root for, but he's not this clean, really good guy that you just wanna you just wanna you just wanna see him get a break and you just wanna see him have a good time because he he's not that. 
And I think that's what's so great. That's what's so good about this film is that what well, you it, don't want to see him get. The yeah, break. You, you kind of you don't think this guy deserves a break. You kind of think this guy has kind of got what he deserved. He's reaped what he sowed because inherently he has some flaws, which is always going to end up him being in trouble. So he's not the archetypal character, you know, kind of good guy, Prince Charming that everyone wants to see succeed. He, he's flawed. And I, and I think that means it is difficult for everyone to watch this film and go, oh, I really want him to do well. But I, think, I, I, I don't think you do back him like I, that. Well, I, I, Other than the female interest of him maybe having another life with a, a woman. I, I, I'm with you to a point there, but I think the fact that it is Hoffman, the fact that he is, it's such a, a classic Hoffman performance and he's so interesting and I think Hoffman makes me maybe off the back of some of his previous roles I don't know but I think Hoffman makes that character I really do want to see him succeed I can mm. feel again Oslo Oslo August you can tell like he's he I should be doing these are the right things he tries to integrate he goes and he meets a girl and he tries to he, he, he certainly initially goes about things in the right way but he realizes whether he's been in prison for a long time or not he's out of touch he doesn't have the financial means and he's, it's going to take lots and lots of time and baby steps and he's never going to quite and he knows that he just needs to get that that big score and the way that the, the telling scene is sort of yeah third of the way through where he the small score because of someone not turning up is that right the third person the third guy is really late you can see and he gets he's incensed after yeah. that. he's so mm. frustrated he's like that was I, th- I find him I I was rooting for him from the start and Teresa Russell does more than humanise like I think their rapport was just and that the sex scene so I don't know like you see an awful lot of sex scenes you see an awful lot of it just like oh this is very Kangaroo Jack it's just exactly the most cliched ever this is just the opposite of that it's just so tender and there's this motif that then is not played again. So it's them getting together and they say the they say the line like it's it's the sense of there's no going back. He's like, you're either a part of my life and my yeah. way of doing mm. things or you're not. And then she initiates. And then that same motif, that musical theme comes back a more unfortunate event later and it keeps replaying. And it's basically all of the big moments in his life are are noted by this theme and we see we see a lot of him and I, I he goes to like his old friend I just yeah through all of these key events in his life I was definitely rooting for him and willing him right to the end to succeed yeah and but. I think that's what it that's what it is the fact that he proves proves everyone right annoys that's me that's a good way to put it yeah you want him to help himself and, and I don't think you ever. But what, you want, what you want to see him get the get a straight job and gets gets redemption. And I'm not saying that that is the correct way to end it by any means, because Do obviously th- that's not the way. So you don't think happens. he gets his redemption? No, no. It's not necessarily his redemption, but it's like a satisfy. I think it's a really, really satisfying conclusion. It's just that classic 1970s sort of existential crisis. There are so many films from this era where they get. They work so hard for the whole film to get to earn something, to to attain something, and then they get it. And then the final scenes are very often just them like looking around, going, "Oh, but what have I got?" Easy, right? Like, there's so many graduate. There's there's so the the, consum- the consummate example. Um, it was just the theme of the day, where like we've got this cake, but what's it worth? 
without spoiling the ending, it's, it's a bittersweet, perfect ending for this kind of film. And I don't think having it wrapped in a bow or having him working as a typist. It, sh- it shouldn't have to be, but that would that is what would have made me enjoy it more. That, really? That's just the, yeah, that, it's just that's that's as black and white I, as it is. Seeing, seeing a tortured soul at the start continue through the film to be tortured by his needs and wants and his urges that are different to us and then getting to a certain point at the end that it does finish on. Do you know, I found that wholly satisfying and such a, a constant struggle and I don't, you don't want every film to be... No, I, I, I agree. I can absolutely understand where you come from and it's kind of this idea of what could have been. You know, and, and, I, and I think I kind of agree with Robbie that actually I would have preferred for him to have been good and he would have had you, you could have seen and there could have been some kind of depiction of this does not satisfy him this is not good enough this is not thrilling enough this is not this this does not align with the way that he wants his life to be rather than it being he's bad and we're imposing upon him what he should be doing to be good kind mm. of thing but i also think that the, the film kind of does that itself as well because it says you know what let's have a couple of scenes where he is spending time with friends who he knew or you know previous criminal buddies of his that he knew who have now gone straight they've got wives they've got you know lives now whereas he hasn't so it kind of does show that that comparison and it says you know what the, the, if if he goes straight this is what he could have but he just he that's just not in his makeup that's just not going to happen it's not worth and I respect that I, I respect yeah. that decision you can tell he he yeah in those scenes that we've discussed like he saw those interactions and he went the mundane and he had a he has that run in with Gary Busey quite early on Gary Busey's yeah. wife who's played by misery Kathleen Kathy Bates Kathy Bates Kathy Bates Kathy Bates a uh, young Kathy Bates <laughs> and it's you can tell straight away he's like ah oh, this is not what I'm looking for. And can we talk about the final... It is a heist movie, which we haven't mentioned. It's the final heist. Mm. I remember just being... I've not I've not seen a heist like it. Usually you've got... Okay, that's more of a sort of later trademark. We get cut, 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 cut. But it was such a small scale sort of heist. I don't... It was really believable. If uh, uh, if Dog Day Afternoon had yeah, yeah. If no, Dog Day Afternoon, the if Dog Day Afternoon, there I, needed to be a gun that those was those two those two are twinned for me. I, can't, I don't know why. If um, if that heist had gone well, it would have been a very similar scene, like in out. But oh, I don't know. It was just it it, it it was a really thrilling heist chase. I thought that that heist scene was excellent. I, I I completely agree. I, I I feel quite bad that I'm giving it a four because I think it is it is a, it's a strong four. It's a really good film, but I didn't quite have, and maybe it's because of some of the things that deficiencies that Robbie and I have, have mentioned about it. It didn't quite have that je ne sais quoi that that kind of that <laughs> that just something that put it up to a five, put it up to kind of the perfect score. You've already referenced a couple of films. You know, you talk about the seventies. When I think back to that, I think about Chinatown. I think back to All the President's Men, which for me are two of the greatest films ever. And I can't put it in that same league, and that doesn't. Maybe that means it's a lesser of a five, rather than a four. But yeah. reacting to it, thinking back, I've seen this twice now. I feel it's a very strong four, and I I might regret that. But I I just there's something that was missing, and I, and I haven't been able to really articulate it. But there just feels like something wasn't quite perfect. I'm not, I'm not far off you there, if I'm honest. It is certainly certainly Chinatown is on the upper upper echelon, and this is just over the line for me I think I would yeah I'd like to give it a five it's the last 
potentially the last one. And it was just one of those films where you just get caught off. You haven't heard of it, hasn't got a reputation, which was so refreshing as well. Very mm. often you do have a certain expectation when you watch films, but I don't really know the director. I only knew Hoffman and Teresa Russell. Actually, no, I knew a lot of the actors, sorry. Mm. But to have not heard of it or to know much was was quite surprising. And yeah, to be quietly blown away over two hours and I was quite surprised by the pacing how it it feels like a couple of different a film of two halves in the way that he's first just trying to get back out and then what he turns and ends up doing but yeah no I thought it was very affecting and another good portrayal of a, a troubled individual but. just to balance out your positives felt it was slightly tedious and I've got tedious. I've got, got in my notes Incredibly meh. Um, meh. I needed wow. more from it. Meh. I know, right? Wow. I, ju- I just wanted more from it, and I think that's that's the key thing. It's a, it's a three out of five because it does have its moments, but and the acting, every single person in the film nails it. But apart from that, it, it's yeah, it's no way it's more than a three. Okay. So next week. So as with all finales. Get a bit of reminiscing. There needs some on. closure, doesn't there? There it needs does, some closure. It's not a finale, so we've so in the twenty-six episodes we've done, not including the specials, we've reviewed seventy-eight films. Right. And we've narrowed those down to one each as our favourite film of Straight Jack. Ian, would you like to go first? Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Special shout out to you. Oh, we're doing honourable mentions. Special okay. shout outs to your boys at Last Picture Show. Evil Dead 2, uh, Inherent Vice, and uh, Oslo August. But the overall winner has got to go to the Coen brothers with their striking 1984 debut, Blood Simple, which is just the consummate neo-noir. It's got everything. It's beautiful. It sounds great. Those shadows, those deaths, those shots of cat's eyes, (laughs) just of... Of, of roads it's it's everything you could really want um, Blood Simple is my number one so if we are if we're going to do the honourable mentions I would like to mention uh, La La Land which was the oh, yeah just missed out La La Land Reservoir Dogs Zodiac Let the Right One In I suppose that's a bit of a it's a bit of a classic and Notes on Blindness which I think was on my top five come the end of 2016 but my favourite film, or my yeah, my favourite film of, of Straight Jack, has already been mentioned by Ian uh, in his honourable mentions, is Oslo, August 31st. Ah, oh, good choice. That's a really good choice, actually, because that was, that was your recommendation that we honestly had no idea about. And I don't think I've had a film, not effect, but that film has left a mark on me like no other film in, in, in this list of 78 has. That was episode three, Oslo. So that's over over a year ago. It Uh, sits there, doesn't it? It sits (laughs) deep down when you when you make decisions and you just think about what he went through. I feel like I've had a drug addiction. I feel like I've been to rehab. I mean, that that not doing what he went through any, you know, discredit, but and it's fiction. It's all fiction. It's too real, man. Too real. I'm Robbie, gonna, put us out of our misery. I'm going to wind the clocks back a little bit further uh, than episode three 
and go all the way back oh, to episode one. That's huge. What? Um, it's my sixth favourite film of all time, according to uh, to Letterboxd. Is it number one on rom-coms? Should be. It's definitely it's number. It's the best romance film of all time. What is the Spectacular Now? Spectacular Now is my favourite film that we have reviewed in <laughs> in twenty six. None has bettered it in twenty six episodes. In the other seventy seven films since. Well, it's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed talking, and we'll almost definitely convince Robbie to do a special <laughs> sometime in the near future. Thank you.